0: greater love has this than a man would lay down a person would lay down his life for his friends and we today are honored are honoring those who have laid their life down for us so that today we could be here in this setting and watching and worshiping online here in this building in this country we are free and uh, we praise the lord for that and uh, we are free because jesus laid down his life for us We're free in our souls and free to be all that God created us to be because of His ultimate sacrifice. So I'm glad you're here today. So as we celebrate, eat those hamburgers and hot dogs and whatever you might eat tomorrow, remember that someone paid the price. It's not just a three day weekend where we can lay around. It's a time that we honor and remember those who fought and died for us. So this week I Googled some funny things that kids say to their parents. And there's a lot of them on there. Some you can't use, and some you uh, can use, but I found these funny notes, at least I thought they were funny, that kids wrote, and uh, here's a couple of them. Dear Mom, thank you so much for being my mom. If I had a different mom, I would punch her in the face <laughs> and then go find you. <laughs> That's love, isn't it? <laughs> love you, Mama. And here's another one. This is uh, uh, a little girl wrote to her friend. She said, I... I heard her parents, I said, I met a new friend named Sarah. We became friends because I kicked her in the face and said I was sorry. (laughs) So the next time you need a friend, just kick them in the face. (laughs) And you got your friend, tell them you're sorry. Dear God, thank you for my baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. (laughs) (laughs) Joyce prayed that. And then this little guy didn't sign his name, and I kind of don't blame him. He said, I am running away because you think I farted when I didn't. <laughs> P.S., you're mean. <laughs> uh, I'm sure we got some teachers out here and you're just counting down the days, but here's what your students might think Dear Miss McMahon, you're a good teacher, but not my favorite, <laughs> Teresa. Now, this one's my all time favorite. It says, my, da- my neighbor's dog kept pooping on my yard. So one day, I pooped on their yard. (laughs) (laughs) You want to take care of that? Just go over to David's yard and and let them have it. Anyway, uh, happy Memorial Day. As we continue our series on the family, I want to talk to you about children, of course. uh, That's what our theme has been about today and about fighting for your children. Our key verse for this series, and actually, it's going to be our key verse for uh, quite a while, our key uh, book in the Bible is Nehemiah. We talked about Nehemiah and rebuilding the wall, and one of the things that we talked about in our series uh, was rebuilding the family. And so, our key verse from, uh, for this series is from Nehemiah 4, and it says, "'Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes.'" I think one of the fundamental problems that we have sometimes in life and in the family is uh, I think w- that, that we forget uh, when it comes to our problems and it comes to life and it comes to our fear as par- uh, parenting or otherwise, when it comes to the family and raising children as the, is this, that we fail to remember the Lord. We fail to remember the Lord. We run to every uh, self-help book. We call up our friends. We Uh, Go on Facebook and we look for a solution. But when we're afraid and when our family's in trouble and we got to fight for our family, the Bible says, Nehemiah says, remember the Lord and teach your children that God is great and awesome. We serve a great and awesome God. And so today I want to give you the primary way uh, that as a parent you can fight for your children. Now, a parent's responsibility that God has given all of us is f- in fighting for our children is to gradually teach our children uh, how to depend on God and not on you. Now, as your children are young, and we got a lot of young children around here. We dedicated 10 last week at the celebration sh- uh, service, and, and, and those babies that we dedicated were totally dependent on their parents. And as they grow, they depend uh, uh, more and more. When they're young, they're dependent on us for just about everything. But as they grow and mature, we teach them. Our responsibility is to teach them to no longer depend on us, but to depend on God. Not to depend on us, but to depend on God. Uh, depend on uh, on God, the one who is completely faithful and will never, ever let them down, will never, ever uh, forsake them, will always be their helper in time of need and will always be there for your children. And we need to teach our children to be dependent on them. Now, we learned this from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 6 was uh, written right after uh, the Ten Commandments were given. Where, and this is where Moses in chapter 6 gives one of the best lessons on parenting in the whole Bible. Y'all care about Thomas Shoe? Y'all go ahead and talk. <laughs> Say, tell your neighbor something. Say, uh, yeah, check your Facebook. That's good. Okay, now you're finished. But this is one of the best lessons on parenting in all the Bible. Look at what Moses says. These are the commands that I'm giving you, decrees and regulations, that your Lord God commanded me to teach you. Now, he's saying, I'm teaching these to you. Now, he's saying your responsibility is you must obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy, and you and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. Now, if you do that, he says, if you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Awesome promise. Now, the cool thing about this, that is you, that is you and I, if, if we teach our children to, feel, to, to fear the Lord If we live according to his commands, and not only will you be changed, not only will your life be fulfilled and changed, but the Bible says that the next generation and the generation after that will be changed. And you get what I'm trying to say here? Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that as a parent, God has given us as parents the power to change generations and generations to come. Now, how do we do that? Well, Moses gave us uh, two really, really important principles of parenting in the Bible, the most important. First of all, we teach our children to depend on God and not on us by simply loving God, by loving God. We teach our children to depend on uh, on God and not on us as they grow and mature by simply loving God. Verse 1. In verse uh, 4, that verse teaches us uh, or shows us that a devout Jew would say this thing three times a day, morning, noon, and evening. And he would say this, listen, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord alone. He'd say that three times, morning, noon, and day, evening, every day. Lord, or listen, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, the Lord alone. I got two um, translations in my head. Let me start over. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Now, quiz time. I just read that verse to you. It's on the screen. From this verse, how are we supposed to love the Lord? With all your heart. Good job. You get an A for today. Now, With all your heart. Now, would you agree that it doesn't say with some of your heart? I mean that verse doesn't say, Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You must love the Lord God with some of your heart. Doesn't say that, right? It said right? Okay. So, all right, good. So we're on the same page. It says, Love the Lord God with all my heart. But, you know, there's a there's a problem that I see for us. And the problem that I see when it comes to loving God from uh, this verse and from, uh, from the teaching of Moses, the problem is we love God with just a little bit of our hearts. We love God with just a little bit of our hearts. And that is the most dangerous thing that we can do for our children. You see, you and I as parents... Uh, And in the church today, and I'm talking about the church today, not just Sam Fields, we're giving our children just a little bit of God. And what happens is they find themselves knowing just a little bit about God. We're giving them just a little bit about God. And therefore, as they grow up and as they mature, they know just a little bit about God, which, by the way, is just religion. Religion is knowing about God. And we're giving our children just a little bit about God, but they don't know God personally. And therefore, their lives are never changed. Why is that? Because religion doesn't change lives. You can know the Bible from the beginning to the end. You can memorize all the key verses that we want to memorize, but that will not change lives knowing about God. Only Jesus changes lives. And that's why Moses says we should love God with all of our heart. Now, here's another problem that we have in our culture, and there are so many things out there, there are so many things in our lives that just distract us from loving God with all of our hearts. And there, I mean, there's just so much out there. You know, I don't know if you ever said this, and maybe it was my generation, but as parents, we say to ourselves, I, if I could just give my kids more than I had growing up. Anybody ever said that to your kids? I want my kids to have more than I had growing up. I want my kids to have better than I had growing up. And many of us say it to our children but we are not giving our children what they really need which is a deeper personal relationship with the one and only ultimately the only god that can provide all their needs god alone you see we we so we say we want our children to have the most in life that we want to give them things that when they grow up that will make them happier and more successful than we are, that we, than, we, than we were. We want them to have the best opportunities in the world. So what we do is we work harder. I mean, we, we work ourselves silly, don't we? When we want to earn more money so we can give our kids... The things that we didn't have growing up. We want to give them the opportunities that we didn't have growing up because we believe if we give them all that stuff and all, them, all those opportunities, then they will have a happier, more successful life. And so we work harder and harder to get more things. And again, we're not giving our children what they, we, they need. You see, we, we want to, because we do that, we say to ourselves, we want to give our children the best opportunities they can have in life. We want to give them the best opportunities that they can have in life. And so we get them involved in soccer. And, and you know, uh, soccer, and then we, uh, I don't know how the seasons go because it seems to me they're always going. Uh, you know, they're either playing uh, over here at uh, Freedom Elementary School or they're on the travel team or they on the uh, Uh, whatever team, and and it seems like they're always playing soccer or baseball or football. So, you see, we want to give our children all the the opportunities we can give them, and so we get them involved in soccer, baseball, football, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, ballet, gymnastics, swimming, and whatever else we can get them involved in. And what we got to do is work harder to pay for it. Because I really think that's why they have all those teams, because somebody's making money off you. When I was growing up, we had Little League and we played eight games and that bad boy was over and you didn't play Little League again until next summer. (laughs) And now you're playing winter ball, fall ball, spring ball, fall ball, all ball. I mean, (laughs) and somebody's making money on you, right? So what do you do? You work harder. And then when that little baby girl turns nine, she's got to have a smartphone. Goodness sakes, everybody's got a smartphone. I see these little kids walking around, and they're smarter than I am. They got phones like that big. I just got a text. <laughs> Buddy, if you're free, <laughs> hey, they're having a barbecue. Come on over. Hey. Now, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the kind of text you want to get when you're preaching. But anyway. <laughs> so, but somebody's got to pay for that, right? Somebody's got to pay for that extra line, that extra phone, and that extra data. And then when they're 16, we got to give them a car. Because after all, all 16-year-olds get a car. So what do you got to do? You got to work to buy that car. Because all 16-year-olds have cars, and then they get out of high school, and you got to get them in the best college you can get them in because you want your kids to have the best education they can have, and that's good, you know? is not good enough. We got to get them in the best. And if we're not careful, our lives will revolve around our children, and they will not revolve around God. Our lives will revolve around our children and their wants, and they won't revolve around God. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with anything I just said. I'm just saying we got to be careful in our culture today that our lives are not revolving around what our children want to get involved in and what we think is best for them and not revolve around God. You see, many parents today, uh, Craig Crochelle read this, he said, many parents today are child-centered parents rather than God-centered parents. We got our focus on our children and not on God. You see, we, we may say we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, but we don't have the time for God and the things of God. I mean, when you hit the bed at night, you're so sleep, sleepy, silly sleepy, that you couldn't think of doing another thing with your kids because you've worked yourself to death. You see, we're too busy to be involved in the things of God. We're certainly too busy uh, to be involved with church because we're so busy making sure that uh, our kids have the things that that they want, which sends the wrong message to them anyway. Now, when I say involvement in church, that doesn't mean... Church, that doesn't mean coming to worship So It doesn't mean coming in late and, uh, you know, and, and just stand there while we're singing or give a couple dollars in the offering or sit here for an hour or so and then leave before the final amen. That's not what I, that's being a spectator of church. And the problem in America, we got a lot of spectators in church. We Got a lot of spectators. You see, this is not involvement. This is not, what I mean when I say involvement is being fully involved in the body of Christ, being fully involved and and serving in the church with our spiritual gifts and and, and giving back to God financially what he wants from us. It's being in a growing relationship with him and with others in a small group. It's being connected. It's not just looking for opportunities not to be in church. It's looking for opportunities to be involved with the body of Christ. So how important is that? How important is that? Because, you know, some of you are probably checking out on me. Well, here is a a study, an old study. I've used it before, but it's an interesting study about kids who grow up and become active followers of Christ and are involved as adults. It says if mom and dad went to church when they were children, then 75% of kids uh, will go as adults, and they'll be an actively involved. Mom and dad, if both mom and dad are actively involved, then your kids, 70-some percent there, will be involved in church. Now, now, uh, if mom, if only mom went to church as that child was growing up, the percentage drops to 15%. Now, if dad only went to church, it's back up to 55%. Now, if neither mom nor dad Uh, went to church, the number drops down to only 6% of kids will grow up and follow Christ and be actively involved in the church. So how important is it being actively involved? Love the Lord God with all of your heart. So parents, do you love God with all of your heart? Or just part of your heart? see, because some, just a little bit, is not what our kids need. You see, as parents, the best thing we can do for our children is love God with all of our hearts. It's the very best thing. I'm not saying those other things are not okay and and not important in some ways, but I got to tell you, the best thing you can do for your kid is for that kid to know you love God with all of your heart. And the second thing in Deuteronomy 6 teaches us is we must lead our families. Now, this principle comes from Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. And these verses show us what spiritual leadership in a home looks like. Okay, uh, here it is. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Now, that doesn't mean that we give ourselves half-heartedly. It doesn't say that, or with part of your heart. It says that we give ourselves wholeheartedly. Now, it says repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road. You know, not just when you're coming to church or you're leaving church, but when you go to that baseball practice or that soccer practice or that Girl Scout meeting or whatever or on vacation. Where to talk about it. It says when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. You start in your day talking to your children about the things of God. And then tie them, it says, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, if someone were to come to your house, would they know that believers and followers of Christ live there? That's why you translate that till today. You see, we lead our children spiritually. We lead our children spiritually. Edward, Duke of Windsor, said this about America. He said, the thing that impresses me most about America is the way that parents obey their children. It's funny in a way, isn't it? But think about it. The thing he says that impresses me most about about the way that parents in America uh, do their thing, he says, is the way parents obey their children. And that's the truth, isn't it, in some homes? Parents, the question you have to ask, are you leading your children or are your children leading you? You see, the Bible says you lead them spiritually. You call the shot. You see, parents, God has given you and I the divine authority in the household and we need to fight for our children by leading them spiritually. If your heart is fully surrendered to God Parents, you are in charge, and just because everyone else is doing something or buying something or going somewhere or playing on this team or that team, it doesn't mean that you have to follow along, even if your children cry. Another problem we see today is that it seems to me that parents today seem more interested in their kids being good kids. Well, I just want my kid to grow up to be a good kid, and that's good. We do, we all do. You know, another thing I see is that that parents just want their kids to grow up and they just want them to be happy. I just want my kids to be happy. And and, and another thing is, I just want my kid to be a star. And honestly, I see today that, that we, we as parents, we see more interest in our kids being good or being happy or being a star than we are about them being holy, or living righteous lives, that we're more concerned about their happiness and their success than we are about their relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, if you're going to teach your family, you can't be concerned. You can't be as concerned about your children's immediate happiness or success as you are about their righteousness and their holiness. And are they growing up to follow God? Do you know that about your children? Do they see that in your life? Finally, we need to train our children. You see, the Bible says train a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Now, the Hebrew word for train is the word that actually means the palate of your mouth. And in the Old Testament times, when when an Israelite woman had a baby, the midwife would take her finger and she would dip it in some type of paste. Maybe it's chocolate paste. I don't know. and, And she would paste it to the palate of the baby's mouth. And this would initiate a hunger so that baby would nurse. Now, I haven't had trouble nursing since I was a baby. I've been eating and eating and eating. Somebody has to put nothing to my palate. For me to eat. But that's what they did. It would initiate that child, it would train them uh, to want food and to nurse. So parents, when we train, we initiate a craving for a living, a holy life and for the things of God. When we train them, we are initiating, we are putting into action that that, uh, desire within them to want to know the things of God and be involved in the things of God. Well, how do we do that? We love God, we lead them. But first, it starts with us. It starts with us. If you want to know where your children are going to be spiritually when they leave your home, take a selfie of your life and post it on the refrigerator. Because as you love God, as you serve God, as you lead your family, as you train your children, that's exactly who we're raising. It starts with us. And then we train them. If if we do that half-heartedly, here's what I can think that's gonna happen and many times, one day soon, you will send them off to college and they will say goodbye to you and they will say goodbye to the church, they will say goodbye to God and they will say goodbye to the things of God. You see, God placed you in their lives to train them. It's our role as parents. You see, love God with all of your heart and lead as he calls you to lead them. Lead them as he calls you to lead them. Well, how do you train them? Proverbs teaches us seven specific ways to train our children. The first one is, and you're probably saying, he's got seven of those things? It's already 12 o'clock. The first, is it? Ooh, 1201. I'll just tell you, don't look at your watch. I got a big old clock back here. You know how much difference it makes? None. Uh, <laughs> no, I try to stay with it, but Proverbs teaches the seven things, and I'm just going to go through them real quickly. You can write them in your notes. The first one is this. We should train our children to manage God's money. Secondly, we should train our children to carefully pick their friends. Now, you got to change that verse. In your notes, it says 320, but I cut it off. It's 1320. It's 1320. Another thing we need to train our children is to watch their words, which means we've got to watch our words. Another way to train our children is to be responsible. Parents, train your children to guard their minds. You see how all these things, we can't train them if we don't do it ourselves? If we're not guarding our minds, our children are not going to guard their minds. If we're using words we don't want them to use, they're going to use those same words. It's a reflection of us. It's a selfie. Parents, we need to train them to guard their minds. We need to train them to be generous. And most importantly, we need to train them to fear God. And how do we do that? By loving God with all of our whole hearts. Now, I can tell you, Gay and I and the staff, we want you to know that we are very, very committed to helping you fight for your children. We want God to do something new at Salem Fields, and we believe God wants to do something new at Salem Fields through families. And we want to be a part of that. And we want your children, we want you And we want your children to grow up to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. We want you to love God with all of your heart. But honestly, you have to do your part. You have to do your part. You see, I I personally believe at Salem Fields, we have one of the best children's pastors that any church can have. There's a lot of good ones. But we got a good children's pastor. And she's got a good staff. And she's got good volunteers. And our ministry is good as anywhere around. But it will never take the place of your role in their life. I just asked Michelle. Michelle says that if you come to church forty times, the average Christian only comes thirty two, but if you came forty times, it means we have them forty hours and you have them three thousand hours a year. We have three We have them forty, you have them three thousand. And you have a role. It's your role. You see. It's your job. It's the church's job to support you and add to as you fight for your children. And you will be successful not by signing them up in every sport or have them involved in everything out there. And they're all great things. But one day this too will pass. I'm telling you, very few people make it to the pros. Very few. I think they pay the pros with what you pay to get them in AAU and all that. They're all great things, but they will pass. But if you lead your children, if you lead your children to know the great truths of God, if you teach them about God's power, if we teach them about God's goodness and his faithfulness, his mercy and his forgiveness, and if we teach them just how much God loves them and he will never leave them, they'll forsake them, if you'll teach them that God answers prayer and that they see mom and dad praying and you're praying for them, and if you teach them that, that God answers prayer and the power that's in prayer, the truth of the Bible, and that we have the spirit of God living in us, you can tell your children that they, if they believe in Jesus, his spirit lives in them, and he he lives in them, He gives us comfort and peace and guidance and counsel and protection and loves us and holds on to us and leads us in the right direction. So how do we do that? We love God with all of our heart. Not some, but all. And then we need to lead them and we need to train them. And it won't happen by accident. I wish there was a pill for it. Parents, you have the most influence over your children than anyone else. Studies still say, even if your kid's a teenager, you still have more influence over them than their friends. You still have more influence over them than their coaches or their teachers. You are their main influence, and you can teach them, you can lead them. You have the opportunity, you and I as parents, to change generations and generations to come, but here's what makes me sad. I've been doing this, for a long, long time. And what makes me sad is I'll have a parent come to me and they'll tell me about their children. They can't get them to church. They can't get them to, they just, they're gone away. And what makes me sad is they're following us. Not always. You see, what makes me sad is that many of you today, because I've done this many, many times, I've taught this teaching the best I know how to teach it, that many of us will walk out today deciding to just settle for a little bit of God. And you'll take your chances. And sometimes it may work out. But I gotta tell you, Our odds are, if we love God, if we lead our family, if we train them, they're going to grow up to do what? Love God, to lead their families and to train their children. And you know what their children will do? Their children will grow up to love God with all their hearts. And you know what they'll do? They'll train their children. They'll lead their families. And you know what we'll do? We'll change the church. We'll change the community. We'll change our world right here. (laughs) If you and I will love the Lord God with all of our hearts. You see... How do I do that? You make him Lord of your life. You make him Lord of your life. You see, Jesus is, the Bible speaks of Jesus not only being our Savior, but also being our Lord. That means he leads our life. He's the CEO. He's the boss. He is the Lord of your life. He has your whole heart and we follow him. You see, being a Christian is so much more. It's important, but it's so much more than saying a prayer so you don't go to hell when you die. It's a way of life. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a change in our minds and our hearts and our actions, our attitudes and our values. We become followers, not just believers but we become followers. You see, it's a daily decision. I'm going to take up my cross and follow Jesus. It's surrendering my life to his will and not my will. He becomes Lord of all, not Lord of some. He has every bit of me and every bit of you. And at the moment that you make that decision, and you will make that decision today, If God doesn't have all of your heart today, if if you don't love him with all of your heart, God's already showed you a place in your heart today that's more important than God. And if you walk out today and you don't decide, now let's say if you decide. If you decide today, and my prayer is every one of us will decide today to love God with all of our hearts and begin to lead our families and train them But at the moment you decide and you say, God, I surrender to you today. Lord, I want to make you Lord of my life, CEO of my life. I want you to be the boss out. I want you to be in charge of my life. I want your will to be done and not my will to be done. The moment you do that, your life will change forever. Does that make me perfect? Look at me. I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. But it will change your life forever. And your life will never be the same, but the good news is, nor will your children, well, their life will never be the same, nor will your grandchildren's life ever be the same. My grandchildren sang here this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this great church. We thank you for the great people that are here this morning, here and worshiping online. And Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would have your will and your way in this place and in our lives. And Father, I pray for all of us today, Lord, if we don't love you with all of our heart, if we're holding on to things that we're reserving just for us, God, will you help us by, to have the courage, Lord, to take a stand and make a commitment and surrender this day. Now, I just, I just want us to close out today by asking you, all of this begins with asking God to forgive you of your sins and making him Savior. He can't be Lord until he's Savior. And so I want to invite you today to just ask Jesus right now, just ask him. If you've never asked him, if you don't have a relationship with him, if you know about God but don't know him, will you just say, God, I invite you into my life to be my savior? It's where it begins. God, I invite you into my life to be my Savior. Jesus, will you be my, will you forgive me of my sins? Will you acknowledge Jesus today as your Savior? and ask him to forgive you. and Say, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. And with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer today, I want you to slip out after church and there's going to be a table out there and Pastor Jason will be out there and he's going to talk to you. And it's important that you take that step. But here's what I want to do in closing. If you're here today and and you know that you know that you just know that God doesn't have your whole heart, that there's just still those places that you're reserving. And you know that if you were to take a selfie of your life and realize that that's going to be the life of your children, it doesn't make you, you're not pleased by that. With all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed, I I just want to pray for you. As we close, gaze up here, I'm sure that only her and I will be looking around. That's just so we can pray for you. With all of our heads bowed, you say, I want to love God with all of my heart, not just part of my heart. I want to surrender to God today. Will you just slip up your hand and say, pray for me. Anybody like that? Yes, I see your hands. Yes, all over the auditorium. Father, I pray for every hand that was raised today, every heart that has been turned towards you today, Lord. Father, for those places you've shown us, we surrender to you today, Lord. We give you all of us, Lord. You have our whole life, our whole being. So, Father, I pray for everyone that prayed that prayer today, that they will receive right now the power, the life-changing power, infilling of your Holy Spirit. And We give you praise in Jesus' name. Can we all stand and worship together as we close our time out? If you'd like to come and pray this morning, our front of our, we call that our altar, I guess, now, and that's uh, open for you to come and pray if you'd like to pray. God bless you and have a wonderful Memorial Day.